You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. uninviting about a person who is crying. There's something uninviting about a person who is in tears. Something that makes us feel uncomfortable, makes us feel kind of awkward, and makes us sort of want to turn away when we see somebody who is crying. But not Jesus. Not Jesus, our beloved Savior. Throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus having compassion on the multitude as sheep without a shepherd. Whether we care to admit it or not, many of us experience a sense of discomfort or awkwardness when someone is crying. You would think as believers, our first sense would be the urge to comfort or console. In today's message, Pastor Dave reflects on the compassion of Christ, which knows no boundaries. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 11, as he begins his message, The Compassion of Jesus Christ. Let's read John chapter 11, verses 28 through 37. I'll read aloud if you would like to follow along, please. John 11, chapter, uh, verse 28. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell down at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? So I don't know if anybody knows who Ella Wilcox is. If you did, I'll be surprised. And if you don't, that's not surprising. Ella Wilcox was an American author, and she was a poet. And one time she was riding on a train, and she witnessed a phenomenon, which she calls, it's her words, a phenomenon. While she was quietly by herself sitting there, she noticed that a woman who was in the front of the car was crying. It wasn't a subtle cry either. It was a loud wail, sobbing and <gasps> back and forth. It wasn't a single tear rolling down her cheek, but sobbing noticeably and weeping. At first, Ella was bothered by this. Her persistent weeping seemed to rub her the wrong way, and she felt disturbed. Then all of a sudden, she noticed that in another car at the rear, there was an elderly gentleman telling stories that everybody was laughing at. 
Everybody was happy and they were laughing and they were giggling at the stories that this man told. Then eventually, the people who were in the front of the car started to move to the back of the car to get away from this sobbing woman. And they were getting away from her because they didn't know what to do with her. They didn't know how to act about her. They went to the man who was telling funny stories. Out of this experience, Ella Wilcox wrote the well-known adage, laugh and the world laughs with you, weep, and you weep alone. Interesting. It's surprising to me just how true this statement is, especially today in our darkened world. There's something uninviting about a person who is crying. There's something uninviting on a person who is in tears. Something that makes us feel uncomfortable, makes us feel kind of awkward, and makes us sort of want to turn away when we see somebody who is crying. But not Jesus. Not Jesus, our beloved Savior. Throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus having compassion on the multitude as sheep without a shepherd having compassion on those who were blind, healing them, those who were lame, giving their life's leg, having compassion on the crowd, those who were struggling in sin. Jesus had great compassion. And when others went the other way, Jesus went towards the person who was struggling. He went towards the brokenhearted. He went to comfort those who were hurt, those who were struggling. And I liken Jesus to a fireman. When everybody else is running out of a burning building, the firemen go in. When everybody else is running away from someone who is crying, someone who is struggling, Jesus goes towards the person. And that's what I see in our Savior. He always seeks out those who are brokenhearted. So as we come to today's verses, we come to a very, very compelling scene. It's even captivating to me. We read the shortest verse in the entire Bible. Two words. The shortest verse in John 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Ever stop to wonder what could possibly bring God to tears? Can you imagine Jesus' face moist with tears running down? What kind of tears were they? Certainly they couldn't be tears of weakness. It could be tears of strength. What caused our Savior to weep that day? Now, the Bible records three times that Jesus cried. There are three places in the Bible that records Jesus actually shedding tear. And each time it was in a different place, and each time it had a different meaning, so to speak. But every single tear that Jesus wiped away from his cheek is most meaningful and is most significant. I want to call these tears that Jesus shed here in John 11, tears of compassion. Tears of compassion. What is compassion? Compassion is is concern for the suffering or misfortune of others. Compassion involves understanding another's pain and then a desire to lessen that pain. That's That's what compassion is. And although compassion compares with kindness and it compares with sympathy... There's something much deeper, and there's something more profound. In fact, in the Latin, the word for compassion is compati. It means to suffer with. So compassion means if someone else hurts, you hurt. 
if someone else is suffering, you suffer. That's what true compassion means. True compassion changes the way we live. True compassion changes the way we live our lives. Our God is a God full of compassion. You can read that throughout the scriptures. When we hurt, he hurts. When we suffer, he suffers. When our heart is broken, God's heart is broken as well. And I'd like to, have to take a closer look at this occasion in the life of Jesus Christ to see just what brought tears to the Son of God. What, what brought him to tears that day as he was now at Bethany? He'd already ministered to Martha. And now it was time for him to minister to the sweet, dear Mary. Let's set the stage. We've been studying now a very, very pivotal, strange chapter. <laughs> In chapter 11, everything changes. We've been building up now to the cross as we went through the first 10 chapters. In chapter 11, Jesus is now going to do something that's kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back, the last nail, you know. He's going to do something, the final action, that is going to really turn all of the Pharisees, all of the people against him. In chapter 11 when, is when Jesus does something so profound then now he sets into motion his eventual arrest and crucifixion. So that's what chapter 11 is all about. And chapter 11, as we said, is a faith-building chapter. It's a chapter all about building faith. He wants to strengthen, he being Jesus, wants to strengthen the faith of the disciples. And we've already talked about that. He wants to strengthen the faith of Martha. We talked about that. Today he's going to strengthen the faith of Mary. And he's going to eventually strengthen the faith of those who are looking in and who are mourning the death of Lazarus. So it's a strength building chapter. And you know it began when he hears the word from Martha and Mary that Lazarus, the one you love, is sick. And although there was an urgency to his message, Jesus doesn't act right away. He, he doesn't rush to Lazarus's side. He takes his time. In fact, Scripture says he delayed a couple days. And this confounded the disciples, and this was a faith-building process. But when he's ready to return, the disciples can't believe that he's actually going back to Bethany. Now, having just come from Israel, Bethany is this far from Jerusalem. It's two miles, but Jerusalem now has the urban sprawl, and it goes right in there, and you can see Bethany not too far away. So Jesus knew that going back into the same scene, he was putting himself at risk. The disciples thought, whoa, if you go back there, they want to stone you. They want to arrest you. What are you doing? Well, Jesus knew what he was doing. His time was fast approaching. It was time for him to set in motion his arrest and eventual crucifixion. So he goes back. They remembered last time he was there, they wanted to stone him. They were afraid because they did not understand. They were afraid because they did not understand. So he returns, and the first person he meets is Martha. Martha the worker bee, she rushes out to meet him. And she comes out and meets him, and she says those words, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And you know this great discussion that she and Jesus had. 
We studied it a couple weeks ago. And at the end of that study, Jesus says the fifth I am statement in the Gospel of John back in verse 25. When, well, let's read a little bit further. When she says, when Jesus says in 23, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And then Jesus says this beautiful I am statement in verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So he challenges Martha's faith. He challenges his, her faith with this. Do you believe this? Look at beautiful Martha's answer. She answers with such a bold statement without hesitation. She says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. So he's leaving Martha now. Martha's done with her visit with Jesus at this point. She will return as we move further on in this narrative. But now all sights are on Mary, Martha's sister, Mary. This is not Jesus' mother. This is one of the other Marys in the Bible. It's Martha's sister. He now had to console her because she was weeping. She was in the house weeping with the mourners. And when people died in these days, they had professional mourners. People who would come to the house and they would cry. They were professional mourners. And they would gather around and they would all sit there and weep and wail with the person who had lost a loved one. So that's where she is. Look at verse 27. Oh, we read that. Excuse me. Look at verse 28 through 29. And when she, Martha, had said these things, you are the Christ, the Son of God, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and he's calling for you. As soon as she, Mary, heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. So Martha leaves Jesus' side. And there's a hint of Martha in here when she goes to Mary and says, the teacher's been calling for you. He's been asking for you. I get a hint of, of Martha saying, you know, chop, chop, he's calling you, let's go. But that reminds me of Martha. Remember, she's the worker bee. Martha's always working and things like that. The teacher's calling you, get out there. Mary jumps up in the midst of all this wailing and mourning, and she goes to meet Jesus. She goes to meet Jesus now. And I love this. Notice the word secretly. I think it's a key there because did Martha and Mary know of the trouble that Jesus caused the last time he was there? So she whispers in Mary's ear not to tell everybody for two reasons. I think she wanted Mary to have alone time with Jesus and she didn't want to tell all the others who might have told the Pharisees that Jesus was there but that they probably already knew anyhow. So I think there's a secret thing here. She thought it might turn dangerous. So she whispers in Jesus' ear. Mary jumps to her feet, rushes out to the Savior, rushes out to him, and Jesus is still standing there where he was talking to Martha. And I find that interesting too. And listen to what happens. 30. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her, Mary in the house, and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, she's going to the tomb to weep there. Imagine their face when they followed Mary, and there was Jesus standing there. I wonder how many of them said, oh, it's you. Where'd you come from? What have you been hiding? I'm sure they weren't real happy to see this man. 
I'm sure they were very, very curious. I want you to pay particular attention here to 32a. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. Stop there. Mary, the one who is always sitting at Jesus' feet, sees our Lord standing there. She runs to him. She's probably out of breath. The first thing she does, falls at his feet. I love this. I just love this. She falls at his feet. Mercy Me had a song out, I Can Only Imagine. You know the words. We saw the picture movie here. I can only imagine we showed the film here. You know, I can only imagine. What will you do when you see Jesus? Will you dance before him? Will you do this? No, Mary fell at his feet. Fell at his feet in a, in, a, in a sign of worship. And I love this about Mary. Mary is always at Jesus' feet. Good times, bad times. She's at Jesus' feet during the good time, the dinner party at her house in the Gospel of Luke. She's at Jesus' feet. And now she just lost her brother. Her brother has died. She had called for Jesus and he didn't come when she wanted him to come. But she fell at his feet. She got back to the place of his feet. She knows that there is a special place reserved for her at Jesus' feet. And she fell there and she worshiped him. Hard times, bad times, she's there. Sadly, too many of us only sit at his feet when things are going well. Too many of us love to sit at Jesus' feet. We love to worship him and praise him and love to shout hallelujah, praise the Lord, when everything's going great. How many of us sit at his feet when things are going bad? How many of us sit at his feet when we're going through a very, very difficult time, a hard time? And how many of you still can say, hallelujah, praise the Lord, when you're going through one of the most difficult times in your life, possibly the loss of a loved one? Mary did. Mary did. Why is it when hard times come, we pull away? Why is it when hard times come, we pull away? First thing we want to cut out is fellowship. I don't go to prayer. I don't want to fellowship. I don't want to go to church. I'm having a hard time. I don't want to do that. The first thing we do is cut away the thing we need the most. We cut it away. We jettison it. I'm not going to do it. And what we need is to sit at Jesus' feet. We need to be at his feet constantly. Why? Because God doesn't change. How come one minute we're worshiping him and giving him glory and praise and telling him what a wonderful God, wonderful Savior is, and the next minute we have a hard time and we're, <laughs> I'm not going to worship and you can't make me. Did God change? Your circumstances may have changed, but did God change? No. Scripture says God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We say that all the time. We throw these scriptures out, but do we believe them? In a time like this, he's the same in good times and in bad times. He's always the same. You know, I've always contended, and I've said this many times, that you come into a bad circumstance, you come into a hard time in your life, and one of two things are going to happen. You're going to either go away from the Lord, or you're going to go to the Lord. Sad. I know that all of you want intimacy with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All of you want to feel his presence. All of you want 
to be comforted by him, to be guided by his Holy Spirit. All of you want this in your life. I'm not questioning that in any of you. But if you truly want to experience his presence, if you truly want to experience his comfort, if you truly want to experience his care and experience his love, please spend time at his feet. Spend time at Jesus' feet, please. Mary says the same thing that Martha said. Look at 32b. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What does this tell you? It tells me that they commiserated one to another. After they sent for Jesus, they sat there commiserated. Where is he? How come he didn't come? Didn't you send for him? I thought you sent for him. I did. Well, where is he? They commiserated. Lazarus is going to die if he doesn't get here. They commiserated. Now, I'm sure none of you have ever said that during a trial, but I have. I've gone through a trial and I've said, where are you? Where are you? Where, how come you've disappeared? Where are you? I know if you're here, I'm not gonna, this trial's not going to be anything. But Jesus is now in front of Mary, and all she can do is fall at his feet, and it's quite profound. Because when I think of the times that I've been in a fix, when I think of the times when I've been in a difficulty, I think of the times when I've even had affliction or a death that I've dealt with, or, and I've anxiously prayed for an answer, anxiously sought relief, and Jesus was far, far away. When I took time to begin to worship him, to begin to praise him, to begin to sit at his feet and soak up all he has for me. Guess what? The circumstances may not change, but boy, my attitude did. My attitude did, and all of a sudden, I'm joyful. I'm gleeful. I'm happy in the midst of horrible circumstances because I know my Savior cares for me. I know he loves me, and he died on the cross for me. I know I can count on him to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know I can count on him to never change, and I glean from him his love, and he continues to lift me up. I get my eyes off the circumstances and put them on Jesus, and the circumstances seem to fade to black. They don't necessarily go away. They might, but they fade to black, and they don't seem so important anymore. This is what Mary's doing. Mary's at the feet of Jesus. Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know in her heart she's saying, but you're near here now. You're here now. You are right in front of me. You're here now. I hear her say that. Look at 33 through 35. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Jesus saw Mary weeping. I love this. What does this tell me? It tells me that God sees the tears of those who are grief-stricken. It tells me that when we weep, God sees your tears. It tells me that God is moved with compassion when he sees your tears. It, it, it tells me that God is touched by your tears. You are a sure We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. 
You can listen to additional teachings from this series in John or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you. And if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m. And you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand. And we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Assure Hope.